Awesome. First Timothy, we started the book last week. Uh, we're going to continue today. We're going to uh, start right back at uh, verse 1. For those of you who missed last week, that's okay. Uh, we were going to hit it again. Uh, really as an introduction and a context for what we're, uh, what we're studying. And so if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring you one. We're going to go through verse 1 through 11 today. Paul gets into the, the thick of it uh, real quick in this letter. Uh, for those of you who are guests, so we preach through books of the Bible typically verse by verse. Uh, and so we are... Uh, marching through First uh, Timothy, we just spent uh, uh, 51 weeks in uh, Genesis, and so we've talked a lot about um, uh, the beginning, uh, and then we quickly moved through thousands of years of history, uh, all the way through the end of end of Genesis in 51 weeks, and so we've we've covered a lot. Uh, but to now we to now we slow down. And we're going to read a uh, we're going to study a, a book of the Bible that's a letter written to um, a, a pastor, a Paul. Um, a church planner writes to a, another pastor named Timothy, and so Paul's writing this letter. He's, a, he's, he's writing out of compassion and out of concern. Compassion for Timothy, compassion for the church, but concern also for, for the church. And so he's going to get into some specifics about what they uh, were believing and why that was uh, perhaps harmful and why he put Timothy in place to, to straighten some things out. So before we get into the particulars of Paul's uh, exhort, exhortation to Timothy today, I want to lay a framework. And so the first part is just the reminder that the church, the church is a family. And so when Paul's telling Timothy, he says this, he starts off this letter, Paul, an apostle, he's declaring who he is, I'm writing, you know, I, Paul, I'm writing to you, I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus, meaning um, I, I, he's coming with authority to talk to Timothy by the command of God. Who gave him the authority to tell Timothy what he's telling him? God. That's a big deal. God said it, and, uh, and so Paul's telling Timothy what God said. Similar to what we read in Genesis, uh, Genesis was written by Moses. God told Moses what to tell the people. And preaching what I'm doing now is what I do is not sit here and tell you my opinions. I tell you what the text says, the context, how it applies to our daily lives in, as, in a manner of not discussion, but a declarative of this is what God's word says and commands. So sometimes you're like, I don't like commands. I don't like the way this guy sounds and preaching. I can't help it. That's what the job is. So Paul is, is telling Timothy he, can't, he has to do what God commands. He says this, he, God commands in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. Jesus is a hope. If you don't know Jesus, love Jesus, trust Jesus, uh, and, you have, and you don't have him as your only hope, man, my hope in prayer today is that today that would change. That's why we, we, we really believe that. We're an open book about that. If you don't know, love, and trust Jesus, we want you to. Welcome. Uh, he says to Timothy, my true child in the faith. See, he's speaking like a father to a son because the church is a family. Paul is the spiritual father to Timothy. Timothy's going to father and lead and shepherd a church and, 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 and those whom God has called to salvation in Ephesus. And he says he's writing to him by the grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Timothy has a particular assignment to do. And Paul has a particular assignment. And Paul's telling Timothy, my particular assignment is to encourage, equip you. I'm writing you this letter, and you're going to do what it says. That's what you got to do. I mean, imagine you get a letter, and he tells you, this is what you got to do. Well, uh, can I trust him? Yes. He says, yeah, this has come from a heart of mercy, heart, a heart of grace, a heart of peace. I need us to understand mercy, or grace is this. Grace is what we don't deserve. We, you're living, breathing, living right now. You are ex all recipients of grace. None of us deserve uh, to be here. So let's start there. That's where Paul starts. Hey, we are, we are recipients of grace. If you know, love, and trust Jesus, you got extra grace because uh, he saved you. It can be available to anyone who believes today. 
But the grace is what we, receiving something we don't deserve. Salvation, life, unmerited, undeserved favor from God. Mercy is this, it's not receiving what you did deserve. Again, we're all recipients of mercy as well. Common mercy, common grace. He says the result of that is peace. Peace with who? With God. God the Father. God is a father. We are a family. We are his kids. I like to call us the the king's kids. If you're in Christ, you're the king's kid. You're part of the family. And so this is the, the posture that Paul is writing in this letter. And then, uh, and, and for, for further context, uh, before we get into verse 3, I want us to look at Hebrews uh, 13, 17. Talk about church leadership. Because we're talking about this dynamic where Paul's telling Timothy, he's commanding him to do some things by God. And then he's going to tell Timothy to, to do, uh, uh, assert certain things. And then and Timothy's going to do it. And so some of us, if we don't understand um, uh, what's going on here, we may, we may just feel that, man, Paul's out of place for saying some of these things or, or, or this term obey and submit. We don't like those terms. They're, they're terms that the Bible uses to talk about leadership, particularly church leadership. And he says this in, in Hebrews 13, 17. He says, obey your leaders and submit to them. And, and so if you just said that verse, uh, there would be, um, we, we could get into trouble if we just stopped there. He continues, the author of Hebrews, and says, For they are keeping watch over your souls. Continues, as those who will give an account. I just tell you this, it's hard enough that I'm going to give an account for myself, but for you? I mean, some of you know yourself. You're like, I don't want to give an account for myself either. I don't want to give an account for myself either. Like, thank you, Jesus. That's the mercy and grace, right? I need us to understand this. This, 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 this calling to, uh, to be a pastor, this calling that Paul is giving Timothy, is not just, he's not power hungry. I think a lot of people think that it, because they, they, they don't have a, a wide breadth of understanding church history or, uh, or their Bible or uh, what normal everyday pastors do, all they see is those who are on uh, big screens and on, on, on the media, and that's all you see. And so you have these different opinions, and, and we don't see on the everyday ground level, no one got to see Timothy's ministry. No one got to see Paul's. I mean, they got to see it, but they didn't, it wasn't posted on a big screen. There wasn't t- live tweeting of their, of their events. Uh, both uh, Paul gets killed for his faith, and so uh, that we, we live in a day where, uh, if we're lucky enough, we might follow the same path. But he says that you will give an account for, for, for your teaching. So Paul is talking to Timothy, not in a posture of, of pride, but in humility as one who's going to give an account. So the things I'm going to say today, I under, I've wrestled with at great lengths. I missed uh, the first two songs today, just praying, uh, just, just really aware of the, the great weight we have in, in doing this. And though it is a privilege to preach, but it is, it is a weighty privilege. Paul, we're told throughout the, the New Testament, has sleepless nights, worried, anxious. The other night I woke up at 4 uh, a.m., or sorry, it was 2 a.m., and I was still up at 4 a.m. I just kept, and it was just a little bit of anxiety. Uh, a, a lot of it. And I, I'm not anxious about what you think about me. I'm not saying, oh, did I say something? Did I offend someone? Sorry, I, I don't care that much. I really don't. I really care about your future. I really do. I really care about your, your life, your ministry. Uh, the, and the, if you're married, and you're, that, your ministry is your home first. And, and a lot of times it, it, it's often we, we, we deviate from that. I care about your kids. Uh, your, your, your ministry first is to know and love Jesus, worship him as your family. May that overflow into your life. And Paul is, is anxious about the church. He wants them to end well, to finish well. And that's a lot of what we're going to talk about tonight or today, or whatever time it is. 
And so Paul is going to be very direct to Timothy, but it's, it's, it's coming from a posture of a man who, who wants a Timothy to lead. A Timothy probably doesn't want to do what Paul tells him to do. I just want you to know that. He's not reading the letter going, yes, I can't wait to oppose false teachers. And later he tells him uh, to Timothy in chapter 2, I believe, he says that, hey, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. So people are looking down on Timothy. He's, he's, he's not like, everyone's not praising him for what the job he's about to do. And so Paul understands this. So I wanted to give some context. Paul's writing like one who will give an account. And he gave his account. He met the Lord Jesus. And he says, let them do this with joy and not groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. So Paul, so this is, this is not Paul writing Hebrews necessarily, but, but it is, it is the, the context, the heart I wanted you to see by, by which what Paul is about to say launching into verse 3 in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He says, oppose false teachers. That's where, it go. That's where he gets to. Immediately, three verses in to the letter, he gets right to it. And he says this, as I urged you. This is language for like uh, expediency. This is passionate language. I urged you. And he's writing in a letter which, and he's telling him, as I urged you, because I urged you in person. I told you in person. I, I spoke with a, with a sense of urgency, with a sense of passion. And, 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 and oftentimes when we're passionate, sometimes people think we're angry. They thought the same of Paul too. And when I was going to, I urge you as I was going to Macedonia to remain at Ephesus, it's a city and a church there, so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrines, nor devote themselves to the myths and to endless genealogies, which promote speculation rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. Hey, uh, Timothy, I urged you to shut down the small groups that were, were, were causing drama and, and, and they were leading people astray. Like, that's not the, I mean, that's the first order. Oppose the false teachers. He says they're teaching a different doctrine. Later in verse 20 of chapter 1, he'll, see, he'll actually name some folks that have shipwrecked their faith. He'll name them. Imagine getting a letter from, from Paul and he's like naming you. Like that dude shipwrecked his faith. He wouldn't have been in the church because, you know, he shipwrecked, he left. But, like, some of us get real offended when, when we talk about real specific things and real specific times and real specific people and specific teachings. And Paul says, hey, that guy, he shipwrecked his faith. Don't be like that guy. We'll get, I don't want to save his name until we get there. There's a couple of them. And maybe he's talking about these particular guys here, but he's saying certain persons. He, I'm charging you to tell them to shut up. That's what he says. That's the job. Don't let them talk. Don't let them teach anymore. Shut down the group. Shut down their 501c3. Don't let them do it anymore. However you can stop them, stop them. They're, kick them out of your church. They're not, they, don't charge them not to teach anymore. If they keep teaching, then, then get rid of them. Here's the thing. When, when discipline comes, if you obey the word of God, you don't got to get kicked out. So Paul is, later he's going to, you know, tell some guys to hit the road, but that's because they didn't listen to his charge. What's the issue here? They're teaching false doctrine. What is doctrine? Doctrine is what we believe about God and man. That's what we need to understand. Doctrine is what we believe about God and man. Specifically, when Paul's talking about doctrine here, it's what God tells us about God and man. Sound doctrine is our doctrine that we believe, sound doctrine is doctrine that comes from God. 
If you don't believe what God says about himself and mankind, if you believe anything different than what God has revealed, then you believe false doctrine. Different doctrine, he says. He says, by, by it, in verse 20, uh, we'll get to in a few weeks, see, people have shipwrecked their faith. I know we don't drive in ships these days, but Paul did, and he got shipwrecked. And I've watched enough movies to go, like, man, if you get shipwrecked and you're out at sea, that's, uh, how many of you want to drown? Like, that's like, your, that's like the number one way I don't want to die. Like, drowning is, seems terrifying. And he's saying there's people, because of their false doctrine, they've been led to be shipwrecked and they're, they're drowning at sea. That's the language he's using. Because they went a different way than God revealed. God had, they, they believe different things about God. They believe things about God that God doesn't believe about himself because they're false. So many people believe, that I, I've talked to so many people who believe in a Jesus that, that I don't believe in. I talked to more people that rejected Jesus that I also reject. Sometimes we promote a Jesus that the scriptures don't reveal. So it's important for us to, 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 to get it right. But we're not without hope, guys. We're not without hope. We have the word of God revealed to us. God's word is bound and sealed and it's been given to mankind so that we can know God. The Bible exists so that you can know God. That's amazing. Jesus in, in John 17, and he's praying, and he's praying that I pray that they would know, they'd have eternal life, and that eternal life is that they would know God. You have access to God. You don't have to go through a priest to slaughter any bulls. You don't have to do anything but go to God yourself because the substitutionary death of Jesus. This is great news. Anyone who would say that you have to go to a priest to pray, then they're false teachers. You're like, oh, that's... Roman Catholicism, yes, that teaching is false. You don't pray to Mary. She's dead. And she's, she's alive in heaven. She ain't praying to, on your behalf. Jesus is the only one who intercedes on our behalf. It's what the scriptures say. That's offensive to many. But many have been led astray to believe that they could have some other, uh, in, some other individual or human or ancestor intercede on their behalf. So they pray to dead ancestors or, or those who can mediate between God and man. We just sang the song, there's one mediator. His name's Jesus. He's one. Any deviation, any deviation is false doctrine. Paul's passionate about this. So he's so passionate. Why? Because he sees individuals, he sees people uh, promoting genealogies, uh, or endless genealogies. This is like, these would be Jewish folks that say, I'm saved because of my bloodline. I'm saved because I, my, my parents did the right things. I'm, I'm saved because I, I vote for the right political party. I'm saved because my parents did this back in the day. It's, it's some sort of inherited righteousness. The only way you inherit righteousness is through Jesus Christ, through faith in him. It's inherited for sure. You know what else you inherit from others who've gone before you? Sin and death. That's what we all inherited. Through faith in Jesus, we inherit life. So Paul's really passionate because people, his friends, are going astray. His friends are believing false doctrine. His friends are moving away from Jesus, not near him. And so we live in a city, and we live in a, a pretty diverse city, a big city. And it's a city that, that, that uh, has a, a many other uh, ways of, of, of salvation. 
We could, we could, I, I'm going to list a lot because you need to understand that, that, that we live in a city and it's, it is diverse and we can celebrate the diversity, but we do need to understand that there are many, many individuals and there are many ideologies in our city, in our nation, but in our city particularly, that, that have different ways of salvation. And some people in our culture, in our day and age, think that you can just blend spirituality and that we can just learn from them, learn from them, learn from them. That's not true. Islam. It's the fastest, one of the fastest growing religions in the entire world. Muhammad, when he, he got his first vision from God, of what he thought was from God, actually he did not think it was from God. He thought it was a demon. Because it was. It was. And his wife, who was a teenager at the time, and he wasn't. He was a pedophile. Uh, and so uh, you're like, wow, can you say that? I'm just telling you what's known historically. He thinks he's, he saw a demon, an angel of light, which the Bible describes uh, uh, Satan disguises himself as an, quote, angel of light. Muhammad sees this angel of light. The, the Bible tells us what that angel of light is. It's Satan. And he goes, you know what? Let's start a new religion. He meets some Christians who are heretics who don't believe in the Trinity and thinks Christians don't believe in the Trinity. You ever wonder why Muslims think we believe in three gods? It's because the, Muhammad meets heretics. They weren't Christians. We don't believe in that Jesus either. Muhammad rejected the wrong Jesus, the, the, the Jesus we would reject too. But he, he, he begins his own mission sent by a demon. Another guy in our, that's famous in our city is Joseph Smith. Mormonism, or as I'm told now, that they don't refer to themselves as that, whatever. They, they, uh, the same origin story, angel of light. Hinduism, I have many Hindu friends, and what they want to do is just take Jesus and add him onto their many gods. But Jesus says, I will not be worshipped, uh, I will be worshipped alone as the one true God. Judaism, genealogies, we come from uh, a pure line. No, Jesus came through a defiled line of sinners. They don't believe, you can't have salvation without Jesus. Judaism has to, tries to have salvation through works and not Jesus. Another variation of that is just simple just moralism that people think that they can be good apart from God when the Bible tells us that there's no one good, there's no, one, no righteous, no not one. It's the Bible tells us, Romans 3. You want to be agnostic and have, and I love this, like, how can we know? And if they're, the, they're the guys that promote these speculations. Well, they have the appearance of wisdom. Just so... We, how can we really know? Well, because I, I agree. How could we really know? Oh, wait. God showed up and spoke to man. We just studied it through Genesis where, where foolishness and folly ruled uh, the lives of, of many individuals years after years after Noah. And then God showed up and spoke to Abraham. Abraham was a pagan man, not a godly man. God spoke to him. He revealed himself. The only way we know who God is is because he reveals himself to us. We don't claim to have some sort of extra knowledge that we, we came to on our own. God came to us. This is what the word name Jesus means. When we say Emmanuel, it means God with us. He came to dwell with mankind. He left heaven, came to earth to reveal to us who God is. 
And so our cities are filled with religion and ideologies and that have endless speculation and any other, I'll just name anything else that has a salvation that doesn't, that doesn't go through Jesus is a false doctrine. And if there's any salvation that's Jesus plus something, works, other gods, false doctrine. And Paul is telling Timothy, hey, I want you to oppose those who promote and teach doctrine that opposes the gospel. You do to them what they're doing to Jesus. Oppose them. Like he didn't use the word oppose. No, he says, I urge you passionately to charge, to command certain people not to teach, to close their mouth, to park it, to shut down the, the group that, that's, 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 you know, telling lies. That's the job of the pastor. If you ever wonder what, like, someone says, what does your pastor do? He's like, that. That's what we do. That's the job. It's to defend. It's to protect. It's to lead, to teach, to preach. Yes, but to defend doctrine. To contend, as Jude says, for the faith. Building a church like Paul is doing is, is, and Timothy is doing is a fight. Not in the physical realm, in the spiritual realm. It manifests itself out in the physical realm. But, but we, we are told in Ephesians that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities of darkness. Even now, this, we're, we're, we're wrestling in the spiritual realm. Preaching is heralding into not just the physical realm, but into a spiritual realm. The truth of who God is. What his word says. And it, and it, and it hits our hearts and, and sometimes it, it, it opposes us. We don't read the Bible. The Bible reads us. We don't come to the Bible with our, our, our ideologies and our worldviews and try to fit it in. We, in, in. In our culture, it reads us. It reads our culture. It speaks into our life. It's our job to hear God. Who are you, God? What do you say? What's your character like? What do you command? And submit to his word. And that's why Paul is so passionate. And he's wrestling. Timothy, he's going to tell him later to do the work of a soldier because it's a fight. Fighting for right doctrine. He says this, he continues. I want you to hear his heart. He says in verse 5, Paul's heart. He says, the aim of our charge is love. We must understand this. It's loving to fight false doctrine was what Paul's saying. It's, a, it's loving to charge other, certain people to not teach a different doctrine. It's loving to shut down the small group that's gone astray. Like, we've done this at the well. More than once. Like, really? Like, they're not here because we, you know, shut it down. And like, I remember there's this one guy who, who showed up and he had, or he had been here for a while. He had a list of demands. List of demands. Told me this. He says, if you don't, he emailed me and he's like, hey, I don't know if you know this, but he listed 20, something like, I read it the other day, 25 demands, uh, 23 demands of, of people in the congregation that if we didn't submit, it's funny, they don't like commands, but they love to give them, but uh, we don't submit to their, their, their ways, then they were going to leave the church. Already gathered the group. So I said, like, hey, man. He, I didn't respond to the email. I called him because you don't respond to emails like that. Um, I said, hey, let's meet. Let's meet. We met. And it got wild. It got wild. It did. Uh, and, but, but what some of you are like, well, what, what were his, dem his demands? No singing. No preaching. Like, they weren't like, hey, we should get, you know, different carpet. Like, it wasn't like, no offense. It was just like, it wasn't like that. It was like, hey, if you, we got to stop teaching God's word. We got to stop singing the gospel. 
We need actually, it was, it was a bunch of uh, first generation Christians, a lot of new Christians at the time. Uh, and it was like, we should just get everyone up there to just bring a word one day. Everyone gets a different time. Even the guys who are not really sure about Jesus. Like, let's just let anyone teach. There's churches that do this, by the way. There are churches that do this. There's churches that bring Hindu uh, leaders, uh, Muslim leaders to, to teach the word of God, to teach on Sunday. Like that, that Paul is saying, don't do those things. We had these group of people telling us to do these things. I was like, we don't negotiate with terrorists. We don't. It's just kind of a thing. We don't do it. Got angry, got loud. It was public. You know, you have these meetings in public in case, you know, something happens. Yell, yelling it was crazy. It was crazy. It was crazy. And then, I, and then all, all of a sudden, everyone left. All of those people. 25 families. How's that for uh, church growth? Do what Paul says, you might lose half your church. Like, like what, what Timothy is hearing, what Paul is saying, he's going, I got to go do this for the sake of Jesus, for the gospel. I can't fear man. If I fear man, I might be opposing God. To this day, you're like, whatever happened to them? Most of them, I can't speak to, I didn't like follow, I don't do like, I'm not like a news reporter, follow their life after the well. Particularly, many of these individuals are no longer Christians. The guy they wanted to lead the, uh, the small groups, marriage, a mess now. Different ideologies, different doctrine, teaching. We guess we planted a, you know, a heretic church. I don't know. Like, that's what we did because we opposed it. It was in love and gentleness. It got rowdy because no one wants to be held to the standard when they're, when they're, when, to, to God's standard when they want to live by a different standard unless they want to repent. So Paul's saying, hey, I love you. And we loved them. We loved them. I charge is love issued from a pure heart. In Romans, Paul says this, let love be genuine. You want to know what pure love is in Romans? He says this, that abhor what is evil, hate what is evil is what Paul says. You want to know what pure love is? Hate evil. Hold fast to what is good, he says in Romans. He says this comes from a good conscience and a sincere faith. He loves them. He cares for them. He cares for their souls. And so if the soul's being led astray, he's like, I, I need to protect them. I need to save them. I'm not saying it's everyone's job to take the posture of Paul and be in Timothy. Like it, we, we can all have different gifts and work together, but we, we got to see that this role matters. Timothy stepping up, leading like this matters. Timothy probably doesn't want to. Paul's urging, urging him, encouraging him. His job is not a job that, that most people would want to sign up for. He says certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered into vain discussion. Again, certain persons. He's telling me there's specific people. He says this, they're desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things that which they uh, make confident assertions. This was the original like fake. These guys are, you know, posers. Like they're, they're saying things that, that they don't even aren't confident in. He says this, they have swerved. Certain people by this are swerving. He's saying they're drunk drivers. Bad theology, false doctrine, it's like driving drunk. You need to be pulled over. That's what he's saying. Have you ever been out on the road and you've seen someone like drunk driving and they're just swerving? What's a loving thing to do for that person? Get them off the road. I'm not saying send them to hell. I'm saying get them off the road. That's the loving thing to do. They're gonna, they might get there quick depending on 
who they worship, but, but get them off the road. Why? For their good and for the good of others, right? So, so if you see some guy swerving on the road and he gets pulled over, what is he doing? He's being held to the law of God, to sound, to, 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 metaphorically speaking, he's being held to sound uh, law for his own good, for the sake of others. Paul's saying, hey, the, these teachers are swerving, man, and some of them have shipwrecked and smashed the side of the, 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 uh, the, the highway. Some of them have gone off the overpass. It's bad. Pull them over. Pull them over. And, and, and it really, they really do sound, this type of theology, oftentimes when we're just, when they're not really confident about what, they, what they're making claims about, uh, they really do sound drunk and confused. Like there's a guy at the gym that he told me, he was like, man, just Christianity and Islam, are, they're, like, they're the same religion. They just worship the same God. I was like, name one Muslim who thinks that. Like they don't. Muslim, we don't want to agree to that. You can't just because you're an atheist say that we believe in the same God because you think you do. You're crazy, dude. What, what are you talking about? He's like, well, truth is relative, and you know, like you can never know. Again, sounding more drunk. Just, you know, uh, I, I, oh, I haven't read the Quran. I haven't read the Bible either, but I just know, man, like religion's bad. Like, you've heard that. That's like normal talk for a lot of people. Paul says that's like drunk driving. They're making confident, he's really confident that Christianity and Islam believe the same thing. Like, he was really confident because truth was relative to him. Well, we live in the same culture. We, 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 we're so confused. We act confused when we shouldn't be confused. Like, what is a woman? What is a man? Like, can you really know? Like, can you? Like, what is God, man? False teaching. This is what he's saying. They're, they're wandering into vain discussion about things that, are, that, that God is clear about. They are not clear about. They think they know the law of God. They think they should teach. They're, they're good teachers of the law of God, but they don't know their God, don't know his law, and they sound drunk. That's what he's saying. And here's what you need to know. Trajectory matters. Trajectory matters. Trajectory matters. And so if you, if you, what I mean by this is when two points converge, right? So imagine an X. Um, that convert like two points converge. When they converge, at the point in which a point with two lines converge, that they're doing they're going the same direction. Correct? We understand. I should have done a, a, a you know a slide for this, but imagine an X. I'll, I'll do it with my hands. At the at the at the point which both of my uh, my wrists touch is we're in the same point, but the trajectory of the angle will determine where that line will end. Correct? And you could doesn't matter the angle. What I'm saying here is that there, there is a the trajectory matters. So oftentimes what we'll do is we'll look at, at someone and say, well, we're just not that far off. We're not yet. Not yet. What about five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? People that we thought, I thought were, we were on the same team, I realized we're now not on the same team. Why? Because they bought into false doctrine. Their trajectory matters. We agreed about Jesus, but then we, didn't, then we moved forward and they didn't really agree about the Bible. Just because someone agrees with, with, with Jesus being historical doesn't mean the trajectory is the same. Islam believes that Jesus was historical. They believe he's not even dead. Trajectory is different, though. The trajectory is different. And so the trajectory, the trajectory of your doctrine will determine how you end. Paul said, I want you to end well. 
I want you to end well. Sound doctrine is called healthy doctrine. It's so that you have health and vitality. And Paul's saying some people, they're swerving away, they're, they're falling off cliffs, they're, they're, they're shipwrecking their life because the trajectory will, is not centered around Jesus and what God has revealed. They've taken a different path. And they're on the path for destruction. See, we see the gap increasing in our day. Again, back to the, the, uh, the, the angle. It's the further you get out in time, the bigger the gap gets, correct? Some of you, are, you think that, 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 that Christians still agree on, on, on what used to be called closed-handed issues. Now, many Christians even today don't agree on what the closed-handed issues are. We used to, but the trajectory forced another way. There's only one way. And so this is why when it comes to, to, to closed-handed and open-handed issues, what do I mean by those things? Closed-handed are things that we, if you, don't, if you disagree with, you're not a Christian. That's what the closed-handed is. Jesus is the way. There's one God, one salvation. So deviation from that is, is false doctrine. Additionally, anything that God has explicitly made clear about through the Scriptures are closed-handed issues. If it's not clear, open-handed. But clear, Adam and Eve clear that was real clear that's who it was very clear so we see the gap beginning to, to spread in our day and so what what we what, we, what I, I i'm saying this because this is the type of stuff that paul is telling timothy he's urging him that the, the trajectory of the doctrine matters so when you see someone teaching a, a doctrine that's going away from the god of the bible and what god has revealed he's saying this is not good for the church for humanity for society for culture Paul is telling Timothy their trajectory and doctrine will have longevity. How will they end? Follow it to its logical conclusion. And so what he's about to do, Paul is, he's going to talk about some closed-handed issues. He's going to, use, he's going to do so by, by, by relating the law of God and sound doctrine. So let's look at verse 8. He says, now we know the law is good if one uses it lawfully, meaning that you can use the law Unlawfully, And so he's saying it's good when it's done right. I'm going to show you how to use it right. It's what he's telling Timothy. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless. That's why like, you, you don't pull over the guy who's following the law. You pull over the drunk driver. Like that's, You should do that. Uh, but the lawless, for the disobedient, for the ungodly, for the sinners, for the unholy and profane. Now, just real quick, that's all of us. There's not one human other than Jesus who is not disobedient, ungodly, a sinner, unholy, profane. Like, we're all lawless people. This is us. He's saying your doctrine affects your life is what he's saying. He says for those who, and then now he's going to get into the specifics. What's the result of lawlessness? What's the result of being disobedient to God? What's the result of saying that salvation can happen in, in, in any other way? What's, what's the result of saying what God says and deviating from it even just slightly? What is it? What is the result of it? He says this, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the, for, uh, uh, the sexual immoral, this, is, this term right here is, is this sexual more. What he's saying is this is the word, Greek word, uh, porneia. This means all sexual sin. All sexual sin. All sex out of heterosexual marriage, sin. That's what he's talking about. Because men who practice homosexuality, what he's saying is this is a doctrine and an ideology that if you affirm, you're, you're deviating from sound doctrine. He says enslavers. 
These are literally slave traders. There was a point in history where, where men, quote, Christian men, used the Bible to justify slavery. False doctrine. It's not a, well, there's no curiosity about it. To own another man, sin. Oppose that. What do you do? We live in a different world now, but we just got done studying the life of Joseph of what it looked like to be enslaved, how to live godly in that environment. But you should never use the Bible to say, hey, we should just keep this one going, owning people. He says, condemn it. He says, liars. This is anyone who deviates from sound doctrine or the truth. Satan is the father of lies. So if you lie, you're like Satan. You're like, what would Satan do? Lie. Like, Doug, what, what if you had that bracelet? I walked around going, I have the, the, what would Satan do bracelet? Like, don't walk around with the WWJD bracelet and, and really be, you know, batting for the other team, man. Like, if you're a liar, if, you're, if your life is mar, marked by lying, I'm not saying that you are perfect. What I'm saying is your life is marked by lying, and that's like what you are known for, and that's kind of what you do. Your father is Satan. Don't deviate from sound doctrine. Don't lie. Perjurers. These are pe- people who uh, are not openly telling a lie. They're, they're openly withholding the truth. And he says, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. Anything else. There's a lot of things. You're like, well, how do I know what's sound? How do I know what's sound? And it's literally healthy doctrine. How do I know? Whatever God has revealed about himself and about mankind is healthy doctrine. That's how we know. There's not, a, there's not questions about, oh, I don't know which one it is. Which doctrine should we believe? If it's in the book, we believe it. You're like, ah, oh, man, that's a lot. I haven't read it all. I don't know what I believe that. Keep going. Read. No, know your God. He says, anything else that, that's, that's contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance to the gospel of the glory of the blessed God, which I've been entrusted. I've been entrusted to this. I'm a steward of this. I've got to be found trustworthy. I'm talking to you, Timothy, about this. The Bible is timeless. See, what he's doing here is he's actually using the law of God, and he's, he's using the, the, the moral law of God and sound doctrine, and he's, he's, he's uniting them here. See, the law of God, what it does is it reveals the character of God. That's what the law of God does. It reveals the character of God. It, it, it tells us what God values. It tells you what God thinks. It, it, we're told in, in uh, I believe it's Galatians, that the law is a, a tutor. That's the language Paul would use. It's a, it's a tutor to lead us to Christ. It's a teacher to tell us which path to go, to, to go to Jesus. It reveals who God is, his character. Additionally, the law functions as a restraint against sin. It restrains sin. It shows us what sin is, and it gives us incentive to not do it because there's punishment and consequences, the law of God. Though it does not restrain sin perfectly because the sinful heart of man will rebel against the law of God even to a death and to its faults, but the law of God, uh, it was meant to not only reveal the character of God but to, and point us to Jesus, but to restrain sin. Additionally, it, it, reveal, or it, it reveals to us what is pleasing to God. Like, what, what is God like? What, is, what, is God, what does he value? How is it, what is his character like? The law of God shows us this. And so what Paul is doing here is he's saying that the law of God is healthy doctrine. How God's revealed himself is healthy. 
He doesn't give us the verse references, so I will. Those who strike their fathers and mothers violate Exodus 20.12. Or 20, uh, uh, yeah, 2012. Uh, murderers violate Exodus uh, 20.13. The sexual immoral violate Exodus 20.14. Men who practice homosexuality violate Leviticus 18.22 and Levit- Leviticus 20.13. And slavers violate uh, Exodus 20.15. Liars, perjurers violate Exodus 20.16. That's like a, that's every verse, in, or that, that's verse 12 in chapter 20, verse 13, verse 14. He's doing the same thing that God did revealing to his people in Exodus to this, this, uh, this church in, in Ephesus, Paul to Timothy. He's saying this is sound doctrine. These fools over here trying to use the law of God to lead you away from Jesus, I'm gonna tell you how to use the law of God. The law of God and sound doctrine are, are, are tied together. The moral heart, the moral law of God he says that's how the sound doctrine, uh, our doctrine, what we believe about who God is and who we are affects how we live, right? Because if you believe that, uh, you know, humans, uh, um, you know, they're your father and mother, you're not to honor them. They're just uh, old people. Uh, striking them is not a big deal. Like what, what, someone who would strike their father or mother or murder someone or, or sexually violate someone, all of these things show how you view the individual, your doctrine affects people. What you believe about people matters. Another litmus test of what you believe about people should, you'll find in your actions. What do your actions look like? Paul says the law of God should transform our actions. Sound doctrine should transform our heart, mind, and our lives. And so what, God, what he's saying is God has something to say about mankind. God has something to say about male, female, husbands, wives, kids, work, sex, sexuality, our time, our investments. God has something to say about everything. He's speaking to it. Paul's telling Timothy, sound doctrine affects your entire life. And so some of these people think these are just hot topic issues. This is one issue. This is a political issue. But see, we live in a world that the Bible has Bible issues that have political implications. Bible, like, God exists before politics. It's not like we just found out, like, oh, no, these are Republican or Democrat issues. They're not. Like, here's the reality. The Bible has issues. The question is, do you, are they sound, or do you follow the sound doctrine of the Bible, or do you not? So when it comes to our day, in our world, we got to remember we're in a world, a war against a spirit and flesh. And so when, when subjects in our world come up about justice, we have two options. We have two options. We could, we could opt for the real justice, which the Bible teaches, or the knockoff one you can buy on TV. Those are our options. Like you can actually go to God's word and, and, and see how it plays out and what God says in his word, or you could just take whatever, you know, puppet is talking on TV and, and go, I like that idea. It's not how Christians navigate. That's not sound doctrine. We go to God. God, what do we do in this situation? Have you said something on it? Can we see about it? Same thing with race. When it comes to race, do we define race according to culture or according to God? Public education. Do we, find, do we define, do we navigate the spheres of public education according to God's word and who God said should educate our children? Or do we uh, navigate it another way? What about abortion? Oh, that's a hot topic. We don't want to talk about that. We, we talk about it in terms of women's rights. That's a counterfeit way of talking about the murder of children. It's the same thing we do with Darwin, though. 
It's the same thing. We, have you heard Darwin, The Origin of Species? If you can, it's, that's, the, that's, what you're know, that's what they tell you it's his title of his, his essay is. It's really the Darwin's origin of species by means of natural selection or the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. Ha, huh. if they told you that, you'd think it was a racist manifesto. Because it is. So they tell you part of the truth. It's a counterfeit. Abortion is not a women's rights issue. It's a uh, women's rights so we can murder people issue. That's what it is. You're like, when you say that, it sounds bad. That's what I'm saying abortion is. I'm for women's rights. I'm for, reproductive rights, too. See, the counterfeit of our culture is to say that if you, if you agree with God that killing other humans is murder premeditatively, then you don't care about women's reproductive rights. That's a lie. It's false doctrine. It's going to lead many to shipwreck their faith, drown in the ocean, apart from Jesus because they left him. Well, I don't want to sound like I hate women's rights. I don't want to sound that way either. I don't want to sound like a lot of things. We don't want Darwin to sound bad too, so we just edited out some of his stuff. Ever wondered how Planned Parenthood got started? <laughs> they operated off the same logic that uh, Hitler did and found, and really, Planned Parenthoods were supposed to be mini ghetto concentration camps to kill babies. Look it up, it's all out there. We live in a world that wants to look back historically and cancel everything, but we don't do anything when it comes to the lies that are being told to us day in and day out. Can you spot the counterfeit in our culture? Can you, do you know God's word in such a way where you can see the counterfeits? What about if you oppose false teaching of uh, uh, sexuality? Right? You might be called, uh, uh, you, don't, you don't care about women's health or uh, men's health or, or transgendered health. You don't care about people's health if you just speak a biblical ethic regards to sexuality. No one wants to oppose women's health. I need you to understand this. No one wants to have hate speech. But these subtle lies make us think that if we hold to a biblical standard, that somehow we are in the wrong. The same rhetoric is used for marriage, uh, for same-sex marriage, for gender, and for sexuality. Here's the deal. The Bible is clear, crystal clear, that marriage, uh, sex is for marriage. And, sec and marriage is for one man and one woman. And gender isn't a spectrum, it's binary. The Bible's clear about that. Those are close-handed Christian doctrine. The lie of culture is that if you support anyone who says what I just said, if you support anyone who says sex is for marriage, marriage is between one man and one woman, and gender is binary, if you support anyone who says that, then you are supporting someone who is a, uh, a, a, a monster of a human who's narrow-minded, bigoted. By what they're spewing, they're, they're infecting others with hate speech. They're a monster. It incites violence by their words. Here's the deal. I need you to stand up. Be ready to take this one. Followers of Jesus must be ready to be labeled as such. You must be. For it was the Lord Jesus. He doesn't just support marriage between one man and one woman. 
He doesn't just support gender being binary. He doesn't just support sex between uh, married couples. He created it. So if that's violence, if that's hate speech, then Jesus spewed it. So if you're unwilling to be labeled and seen with Jesus, you might find yourself in the place of Judas selling him out. You might find yourself in the the place of Peter denying him and hiding. You might find your place in the, 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 with the rest of the disciples and scattering. Or like the, the men and women Paul is talking about who have shipwrecked their faith, who are deviating. They're headed for destruction. If we cannot accept this, that's okay. Wrestle with it. That's what I want you to know. It's okay. It's not okay to stay there. It's okay to wrestle with it. That's what I'm trying to say. Some of you, you're like, I, you, you came from a worldview that, that, is, that is, was anti-Christian, and that's all you know. You're relearning what good is. You're relearning what God is. You're relearning everything. So if that's where you're at, wrestle with it. Let's talk. Don't, don't pull over to the side of the road. Get out of the car. Let's make sure we can proceed forward. Safety for your own soul. Some of you might say, well, can't... Christians disagree on some of these issues, and here's the deal. You can disagree and debate, for sure, but only, only Christians can only disagree and debate with one another if we agree that the Bible is the standard. If you don't, then you're not talking to a Christian. We can disagree and debate on issues, but only if we see the Bible as the standard. And and when we find ourselves, when our position opposes God, we repent. At some point, every one of us, as we're reading the word of God, will will hit a point where we uh, are offended by God's word, or we disagree with God, and we have to repent. If you've looked at everything you've ever read in the scriptures perfectly, you're like, I believe in everything, never disagreed with anything. Keep reading. One day you'll find that you do. And repent. Our trajectories matter. We're seeing the separation in our day. And so some of you might be asking the question, well, then how can this be loving? How can, man, you're literally saying the things that the culture says is hate speech. And you're saying that's love? Paul said it actually. He says that I'm, I'm saying this from a heart of love. He says the, the, our, the aim of our charge is love. And then he listed all those issues I just talked about. He, he, he's issued from a pure heart, a good conscience, a sincere faith. So I want us to look at uh, same writer, Paul, but how he describes love in 1 Corinthians 13. Some of you might have read this in your, uh, at your wedding, but um, here it is again. Love is patient and kind. And I want, I want you to see something you may not have seen. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. But it does insist on Christ's way. Please hear me say this. We do insist on Christ's way. We do. That's not, Paul is not arguing that if you were a Christian, then you can't insist on, your, on Christ's way. That's what he's not always saying. He's saying we do insist on Christ's way. It is not irritable. It is not resentful. It does not, here we go, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. We live in a world today. See, some of you asked, how, how can what I just said be loving? It's because you believe this lie, that you believe the lie that if we don't rejoice in wrongdoing, then we're not loving. The Bible says if you rejoice in wrongdoing, you're not loving. 
What are your hashtags? What are your protests? What are your politics? What are, what are, all the, what are your, your pronouns saying about, about who you are rejoicing in? I'm telling you what the scriptures say. And you're told that you're a, you're a bigot, you're narrow-minded, you're unloving, you're all these things. All day long, you're being told lies about how unloving you are or will be if you submit to Jesus and his word. I'm telling you this, that is a lie. I'm reading to you what God's word says love is. Do not rejoice in wrongdoing. Rejoice with the truth. The world, Satan, and demons want you to believe lies that will force you to worship, to trust, to hope, to celebrate in wrongdoing. Lies that will destroy people. Lies that will damn people. Lies that are, that are counterfeits that Satan has, has created that you feel like you are just stuck in between. But you need God's word, the truth, so that you can be set free. Paul is fired up. He's passionate. I'm passionate. Tim, he, he wants Timothy to be passionate because he loves Jesus and he loves Jesus' church. I want you to be fired up as well. So I want to end with this. Such were some of you. Some of you are going, how is what he just said, not hate speech, how, how is this? It's because we are all guilty. That's the, that's the verdict. You and I, guilty. Guilty. And he says this, Paul, in, in 1 Corinthians also, uh, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? He's asking them because it's like our day. Do you not know this? Please tell me you know this. Oh, you've got, you need Jesus to be saved? Yes, it's the only way to salvation. Do not be deceived. Why would he say that? Because they were being deceived. Do not be deceived, church. Why? Because many in our day are being deceived. I've seen so many friends leave the faith. Because they bought into false doctrine that led them astray. He says this, don't be deceived, neither the sexual or moral. So heterosexual sin, homosexual sin, all sexual sin, guilty, all of it. Nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So what do we do? We're all guilty. You can't inherit the kingdom of God. You're damned. You're cursed. You're gone astray. He says this. Do you not know that? Don't be deceived. As and such were some of you. He says this. Some of you who are reading this letter, letter some of you were, were sexually immoral. Some of you were idolaters. Some of you were adulterers. Some of you were, were practiced homosexuality. Some of you were thieves. Some of you were greedy. Some of you were drunkards. Some of you were revilers. Some of you were swindlers. Some of you were all of these things. And there, and, but what happened? You got saved. You got changed. You got a new heart. You got a new life. But you were washed. That means that you're, you're cleansed. Your sins have been forgiven. He says you were sanctified, which means that you were made holy. And you were currently in the process of being made holy. You didn't stay the same. Jesus is changing you. He's not changing you from homosexual to heterosexual. He's changing you from worshiping false gods to worshiping Jesus. 
Jesus can figure out your lifestyle. If we get the right doctrine, we get, we get the right God, we get the right doctrine, everything else will fall in line. But when you get the wrong God and you start teaching false doctrine, you will never lead to life or flourishing. And he says, let God clean you up. You're being sanctified. You were washed, sanctified, and you were justified. Meaning you were declared righteous when you got saved. In what? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Such were some of you. You got, you used to identify as this, but now you identify as a child of God. You used to identify with your sin, your folly, your shortcomings, your, your political party, whatever you were, you were heading towards. That's what, that used to be your identity. And then Jesus, he stepped in. See, we must see this. Why is this not hate speech? It's, the reason is, is because we're all cursed and gone astray and condemned, but God being rich in mercy because of his steadfast love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For us. For our sins. In our place, Jesus was murdered he looked at our sin. He looked at our, our, our rebellion and said, that will not keep me from them. I will overcome them. I will ransom them. I will redeem them. I will buy them back. I will save them. I will wash them. I will cleanse them. I will sanctify them. I will give them my righteousness through justification, my faith alone. I will do all of this. That's the good news. That's the good news. That's the God we worship. That's what we celebrate every time we come here to, to sing. We come here to hear God's word preached. That is the only way to salvation. Any doctrine that would, that would not have Jesus. I think my, I don't know what just happened. There it goes. Uh, anything that happens, any doctrine that would lead anyone to trust, put their faith and hope in anyone other than Jesus will lead people. To be condemned, gone astray, not washed, not holy, not sanctified, not justified, no hope, no future, just shipwrecked, lost at sea. But God, but God, being rich in mercy and love, he loves you. He went to save you. And he, he loves you so much that he also sent guys like Paul to tell Timothy to speak to the church so that, that we can continue to, to order our lives according to how God has revealed himself so that we don't hit the trajectory, hit, hit, hit shipwrecked, and, and we stay on the, stay the direction Jesus called us to. We'll end with this story. I lived in Kenya for a little while. In there, I say this because I, believe, I do believe we live in a world right now that, and I've told, I, I believe God is, I believe this, I'll just say it this way. I believe this, that one day we'll be a church that has uh, people who have um, transitioned at a, at a young age. Maybe they, they, they got re gender reassignment surgery as the culture is now telling them that's a good thing and that's cool and that's popular. And actually there's more, just so you know, there's more Gen Z folks that identify with uh, the LGBTQIA than Christians in the Gen Z. Like it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a wave, it's a fad, it's a new thing, it's a, it's a deviation, it's, it's, a, it's an indoctrination. And what's gonna happen though is God's not afraid of it. God's gonna save people out through it and from it. Even those who did transition, did get re gender reassignment surgery, did... Uh, full-on pledge to, to the, the gods of Baal and, and you know, head, head that direction. He's going to save them. He's going to redeem them. He's going to wash them. They're gonna be, there's going to be a list of, of sins that were not, they, maybe they weren't doing exactly as much as we are now doing. They're going to say, you, once we're some of you, 
and they're gonna be in our midst and in our congregation. My question is, do you believe that? Is this gonna be a place where you can welcome anyone? Can you walk with them through? Not, not, not denying the God of the Bible, but heralding the truth clearly so that they could be saved. When I was in Kenya, there was a man, a psalm at a coffee shop. Looked like a chick, that's what he did. Looked like a, it was a dude, looked like a girl, didn't know, it was weird. It's really weird. This is way before it was cool. He was an older gentleman as well. Uh, he talked, he sounded like a, a female, had no Adam's apple. I was really confused. He had uh, other female body parts that were visible. And I just went over to him and I was like, man, uh, uh, what's up, dude? Uh, or, I, hello, my name is Al. Come to find out, his story was that uh, he was not a Christian. He bought into the lie early on that, um, that gender, uh, that he could be whatever he wanted, and he transitioned. He got his Adam's apple removed, got breast implants, got a uh, voice change, his voice box so that he could sound feminine, got every, his face reconstructed, everything. Everything. And then Jesus saved him. He was in a hotel room with the, I don't know what he was with, but God showed up. God showed up and saved him. He couldn't get his genitalia back, couldn't undo the things that he had done to his body, but he was washed. He was sanctified. He was redeemed. He was cleansed. He was adopted as a son of God. So what did he do? He left America. He said, I can't have kids. I can't have relationships like I would have wanted and maybe God had designed for me. I can't really have the life. I, I, don't, I don't have, like all my friends have now hate me because I follow Jesus. So I figured I'd come to Kenya, Africa and just preach to anyone and everyone who would listen to me until people get saved. He spends the rest of his life now as a, as a gospel missionary, a, trans, a transgendered gospel missionary redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Imagine the conversation, like who is this guy? Like I had with him. But he says this, I was once this, but God. I was once hell-bent on my own destruction. I once thought I could do whatever I wanted to my body. I now live with the consequences, but God showed up. I'm redeemed, I'm new, I'm whole. The satisfaction I was looking for in this life, God has given me abundantly more in this life and in the life to come, eternal life. I believe that, I live with that. I need you to understand that will be the ministry of Jesus' church in America in the next 20 and 30 years. Either you're on board or you're off board. If you don't want to be a part of it, get out now because it's just going to get weird. You're going to have to, it's going to be weird. And I tell you this, the best gospel proclaimers will probably be the people. They won't be, a, that dude is not ashamed to tell, say gender was binary. It's only scared Americans who are afraid to when someone gets saved by Jesus, they're not afraid of God's word. They're afraid of God because they rebelled against him for so long, spit in his face, mocked his gospel, hated his cross. But then Jesus did not lavish upon him them wrath, but upon them mercy and grace. And they saw that there was more mercy and grace in Jesus than sin in them. And so they have stories that they come back, such were some of you. That's gonna be our church. That's gonna be the future. Be ready, pray for them, speak into it. But what won't happen is life's being transformed, realigned, and changed if you deviate from your doctrine. Jesus will do it, but you won't be a part of it. Do you wanna be a part of it? Sound doctrine matters. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna end with this. We're gonna end with singing. We're gonna end with communion. 
We're gonna end with remembering the, the broken body and shed blood of the Lord Jesus. We're gonna end by taking communion or the Lord's Supper and we're gonna end by singing like Jesus is alive and that we are forgiven. That we were once one thing, but we were adopted, transformed, and redeemed. If that's you, if you've been adopted, transformed, and redeemed, I beg you, I urge you to celebrate as we respond. Lord Jesus, bless us. Bless us with a heart of gratitude. Bless us with a heart of celebration. Bless us with a heart of rejoicing. Sound doctrine is something you give us, God. We live in a world and we wrestle in a world that, that where we struggle to believe what's true. We, we struggle to, because we have friends and we have family who, who believe false ideologies and false doctrine and, and they reject you, Jesus, and it feels like if we, if we don't, that, that because they tell us we're being unloving or, or our doctrine is unloving, that we got to change it and edit it. But may we be emboldened to remember that the truth of which you have said through your word, that it is the gospel that has the power to salvation for those who believe. We will limit, we will nullify all the power we have to see our loved ones and our friends saved if we offer a salvation that's apart from Jesus, your substitute your substitutionary death and the cross for our sins. And so now we turn our eyes uh, to, to that sacrifice to remember it through the partaking of communion. May that embolden us. May that empower us to see that as we eat and as we drink, we are proclaiming that this is the only gospel and that our friends, our city, our nation needs to hear it. Bless us. Pray this in your name, Jesus.